0: Hey, this is Ryan Fitzpatrick, and you are listening to the EA Podcast with Eric Allen. Take it away, EA. All right, let's bring in Chad Pennington. Okay, Todd Bowles made an announcement, Chad, on Monday after the Jets' bye week. Like he said he would, he was going to evaluate how Ryan Fitzpatrick was feeling, dealing with that knee sprain, left knee sprain, and... He went back and watched the film of Bryce Petty against the L.A. Rams as the Jets manufactured just one touchdown. We're able to move the ball at times, but it's a point-scoring league, and the Jets lost 9-6. to So Todd came out on Monday and said, Ryan Fitzpatrick will be my starter against the New England Patriots. Uh, what was your immediate reaction?
1: I have no problem with that decision at all, Eric. And the reason that I don't, is that um, you don't sacrifice the overall performance of your team, the overall mindset of your team, the attitude of your team, and the hard work that everybody has put in just for the sake of the the development of one guy. Um, Especially when the guy that you're saying is the starter this week, holds a franchise record in touchdowns in a season, um, has played well at times, has been inconsistent this year, there's no question about it. But this isn't like uh, you know, this, uh, that Ryan Fitzpatrick can't get the job done. And so from Coach Bowles' perspective, he's trying to generate a, some positivity in the locker room. How do you do that? By playing good, solid football and winning games. And how do you do that? You play the best players. that give you the best chance to win the game. And so right now he's saying that Ryan Fitzpatrick gives them the best opportunity to win a game because the development piece of it, um, in my opinion is something that's talked about way too much. Yes. You have to develop players. Yes. There's a time and place for that, but you have to be judicious in how you do that and when you do that and don't sacrifice the rest of your team just for the development of one guy.
0: Now, uh, Fitz, uh Todd Bowles was clear on it, said that in order for somebody to jump ahead of him, he has to take the job away. So in Bryce Petty's case, what did you see from him against the L.A. Rams that you liked? And maybe some things that you know, Chad, as a former quarterback, that this guy has to work on here on the practice field before he gets his next opportunity.
1: Well, some of the things that I like, his deep ball to Rodney Anderson, fantastic. That was called on the left-hand sideline, on the Rams' sideline early in the game. The 99-yard drive uh, to begin the game against the Rams, that is extremely difficult to do knowing how uh, talented and efficient the Rams' defense has been. Um, There were some times where it looked like he was going through his reads and trusting his footwork and getting the ball out of his hands. Uh, So there were some positives there. But I don't think there was enough consistency there for the staff to say, okay, he's really uh, you know, working his reads with his feet. Uh, he's making the easy throws. One thing I learned as a young quarterback is that you have to hit the easy one. The ones that, for all intents and purposes, are 100% completion, whether it be check downs or guys that are just wide open and nobody within 10 yards, you have to hit them. Uh, it's not like college where you get those opportunities back and you don't get those opportunities back. And that's very difficult to learn as a young quarterback. You have to hit them, especially when you're trying to generate momentum in a spark. And so if I had to critique Brooks' first performance, he didn't hit the easy ones. And then um, every once in a while he didn't trust his, his footwork and his feet to get him to where the ball needed to go and stayed on the receiver too long, which that's going to happen as as a young quarterback. I understand that. But right now in the situation that the Jets are in, you know, right now they're just trying to, as a staff, generate uh, some positivity uh, with good football play and winning football games. And to me, you can't just sacrifice that just because you're saying you're trying to develop a guy.
0: What do you think about his footwork and how he went through progressions? Because you can see things watching film that we can't. You've been out there on the field going to number one, going to number two, going to number three, coming back to one or dumping down or whatnot, and also what did you see from him in the pocket? Because remember, this is the guy who made his first NFL start, Chad, and as we all know, and we know your uh, feelings on the college spread, is that uh, it's a lot different playing at Baylor, playing that simple spread and looking to the sideline for your call and uh, going up top all the time or or not even uh, having a zero read, just uh, throwing a wide receiver screen out there.
1: Well, I thought for his first time out there and coming from a spread and, and being able to work within the jet system now for a year and a half that uh, it was not a losing performance. It wasn't. Uh, was it a winning performance? No, it wasn't that either. Um, it was a performance that was just a performance. And uh, and so, you know, for him, uh, the way he operated in and out of the huddle, things like that, um, was smooth. It seemed to be fine looking at it from afar. Um and from a footwork standpoint, I don't know the specific footwork uh, that the Jets quarterback that the Jets quarterbacks use, but at the same time, I, I do know that when when a quarterback is hanging on a receiver too long, uh, I can see that regardless of what the foot, footwork is, and that's something that as young quarterbacks they have to work through, and you have to really learn how to listen to your feet. Uh, a lot of times, people think it's the sixth sense that a quarterback has as far as when to get out of the pocket, when most of the time it's listening to your feet, your footwork tells you okay it's time to get rid of this ball it's time to move on to the next read it's time to throw it away it's time to run all those things it's not some type of uh, sixth sense that we have a lot of times it's actually uh, very it's predicated on um, specific footwork and specific timing and so you know that's something that that will continually have to be worked on but I I don't think that you're stunning the growth or development of Bryce Petty by him watching um, Ryan Fitzpatrick work and and By the way, you're actually probably helping his development now because I would imagine that he is getting some uh, reps with the ones now. He's not just running the scout team. Uh, With the help of Ryan Fitzpatrick and the state of the team, he is working in there. And also with Geno Smith being being injured, he's getting some of those reps, which is part of his development. And and you can – it's very delicate. And the problem in in the NFL is people are not patient. And people think that – these players are robots and that you're playing a Madden game and you can just switch them in and out like pawns in a chess game and you can't uh... you're dealing with emotions feelings and all things that make us human beings and you have to make sure that you manage that correctly and you also have to look at the risk versus the reward and sometimes the risk can be much greater than the reward when you stick in a young quarterback
0: in some respects do you think this is a courageous decision maybe that's the wrong choice of words Uh, uh, about Todd Bowles, but just Tim saying this is what's right for my team or you think it's just a a clear cut that you go back to Ryan Fitzpatrick because you know, you played here. I always echo that every time we talk is that you know what the fan base is saying and also if you listen to anybody in the media right now or read some of the articles and there are a lot of talented people out there the overwhelming majority are saying you have to go with Bryce Petty. So your take on just Todd Bowles saying, sticking to his guns basically in this situation.
1: Well, I think it's a courageous decision because it's going against what the status quo is saying. That's where it takes a little bit more courage, and it probably takes even more courage knowing that you're in the New York media market. So I do respect that, and and it shows me that Coach Bowles and his staff are worried about the men in their locker room, they're not worried about the outside entertainment value. And that's, that's where you really have to make those tough decisions. And, you know, for anyone to say, well, that's what people want. Well, we're not in this game to do what people want. We're in this game as coaches and players to perform at the highest level, to make the best decisions possible. Yes, this game provides a lot of entertainment value, but from a player and coach's standpoint, if you're focused on the entertainment value, you won't be in this league very long. And if decisions were made on me when I played based upon entertainment value, I wouldn't have been benched once in my career. I'd have been benched about six times in my career. And so, um, thank goodness that didn't happen, and we were able to make it to the playoffs four times and reach the division round twice. So um, it had happened, you know, a lot of a lot of different times. So. That's what I respect the most, is that this is a football decision. And football decisions don't go along with entertainment value most of the time.
0: Now, how can you uh, evaluate Bryce the rest of the way? I know in the football world, like you said, it's a football decision, so it's week by week, right? So Todd Bowles said, uh, bottom line, Ryan Fitzpatrick gives us the best chance to win, period. That's why he's playing this week. If you get mathematically eliminated from postseason contention at some point, does player evaluation at the quarterback spot ever come into play if you are eliminated here? Because the Jets, uh, everybody in the locker room, you know this, they want to go on a a six-game winning streak here after the bye and go 9-7 and and maybe a couple teams fall apart, and they have a miraculous run to the postseason. And you know what the outsiders are saying is that the season's over. You need to evaluate all the young talent you have inside the building, including the quarterback position. So is there ever a time here, say the Jets go out and they play well this week, but they lose and they're mathematically eliminated from postseason contention, which I have no idea if they would be or not. Uh, Is there ever a time where the player evaluation at that quarterback position uh, uh, comes into play more? You emphasize it more.
1: Sure, there is. Um, By the way, the three out of the four times that I was able to uh, help my team go to playoffs, three out of those four times, people were saying the season's over, we need to do something different. Three out of four. And so – I don't ever believe the season's over until it, it truly is over from a playoff standpoint. And even from that realm, it's not over for those players. I mean, those players want to win football games, regardless if the fan doesn't have any entertainment value because his or her team's not going to the playoff. It still means something to go out there and work a whole week of work and go win a football game and find production. Because those players are playing for their their livelihood they're playing for they're not just playing for the jets right now they're not just playing just to play they're playing to be evaluated by the jets and the other thirty one teams in the league as well and so there's more at stake than what we as fans think at stake and by the way, you can develop in practice these practices aren't like some of the youth practices that I see where you go out and you stretch and you run a couple plays and you call it up. These practices are designed to develop and to truly um, look at players from a, a critical eye. And so it's not just about games. And there are plenty of times, and players know this, there are plenty of times where you can see a player in practice and say, he's not ready for a game. So why put him in a game? If he's not doing those things in practice yet and making strides in practice, just because you're going to put him in a game doesn't mean he's just going to flip the switch and do it completely different. That doesn't necessarily happen. Matter of fact, it never really happens. And so part of the development process is actually happens in practice. Then you move from practice to the game. It's not all about the games.
0: What do you think is in Fitz's mind right now? It's been a wild season. Obviously, a turbulent ride for everybody in that locker room. You know that. The Jets have started three quarterbacks this season. After the Arizona game, they turned to Geno Smith against the Baltimore Ravens. Unfortunately, he went down in the first half, and then Fitzpatrick came on in relief, and the Jets actually won that ball game. They got on a little run, won a couple in a row, got to three and five. Then they had that game down in Miami, which was extremely winnable. And they couldn't close the deal, as we saw earlier this season, went to 3-6. and six. Uh, And Fitz went down in Miami with the sprained knee, and uh, Petty got the start. So now it's back to Fitz. So uh, take us in his mind right now. He's saying, on the surface, he's saying all the right things. A bright guy, a tremendous competitor, a guy, I think, who really embraces every moment he has, 33 years old, Twelfth season in the National Football League sixth team, and a few weeks back we talked about it right here on the podcast that hey, he didn't know if he'd ever start again for the Jets or probably any other NFL team when Geno got the call and uh you know uh, injury forced him to the sideline against the Rams. he was an emergency emergency quarterback, and now here he is again against a New England Patriot team that last December, the last time he played them. He led the Jets to a stunning victory over the Pats, and boy, things have changed. So this season, he's really had to buckle up. But the good thing about it, I think, is Fitz has experienced a lot of highs and lows in the NFL.
1: Yeah, I think for him, it is. Um, here's where he is. At least here's where I would be right now. I'm just starving for a little bit of success and continuity, and and trying to. Um, you know, get things, you know, in in line uh, and trying to have some – and trying to get that going, you know. So um, I think that for him it's all about just positivity, creating some momentum, playing well, knowing that, hey, I may not be in New York next year. And that's okay, but I need to play well as a professional and put out good film and continue to improve, regardless if you've played two years or 12 years. You still need to improve. You still need to feel good about the work that you're putting in. So for him, I think it's individual base, number one, in trying to do that. And then, number two, from a from a leadership standpoint, as the captain of the ship, you got to keep the ship together. And you got to make sure that there's no frame and there's no divisions going on and you do that by your leadership.
0: All right, point blank, how does Fitz get Brandon Marshall and Quincy and Noonan going? Because if you look at the stats this year, I know the NFL is more than just stats, but obviously this has been a frustrating season for B Marsh. He was in the end zone 14 times last season and two times now after 10 games. Without Decker in the lineup, teams are rolling even more coverage his way. We all know that. The encouraging thing for the Jets that I've seen over the last four games offensively that I'd be stoked about if I'm Fitz is that you're running for an average of 151 yards per game. Matt Forte is showing something as far as a lot of tread left on those tires. He's had some explosion, explosion runs, uh, four over 20 yards uh, when you combine the last uh, two games. And then... Forte and Paul combined for nearly 200 yards last game. So for you as the quarterback, I'm putting you in Ryan Fitzpatrick's shoes. How do you get Marshall and Anunua going again?
1: Well, number one, you've got to stick to your rules and your progressions and not force the ball to them and and not have. Sometimes you can have such a sense of urgency that it backfires on you. Uh, to where you uh, want it too bad, you're you're playing too hard. You're working. You're, you're almost doing. Uh, you're overloading yourself and trying to, because you're starving for success. And so I think you got to take a big deep breath. You got to relax. You got the biggest challenge is is not going in this game going well. We're three and seven, and Patriots are eight and two, and you know we're not very good, and they're really good. I think you just got to take it for what it is. It's the Jets versus the Patriots. You have good players. They have good players. You have strengths and weaknesses, they have strengths and weaknesses, and you're going to try to work toward your strengths and, and manage those weaknesses and exploit their weaknesses. And so um, that that's very hard to do, and it's, it's easier said than done. But for him, it's just to stay within himself. When the plays are there to be made to his playmakers, make them. Um, and then when they're not there to be made, just make sure that you avoid the disaster and keep your team in the game.
0: Here's something I'm writing about right now, buddy. The Patriots, since Brady came back in week five, are averaging 32 points a game. Over Brady's six-game span here as starting quarterback, they've scored less than 30 on two occasions. That was in the loss to Seattle, uh, that well played game by the Seahawks on the road a couple weeks ago, and also uh, uh Patriots win in Pittsburgh. With that being said, do you have a number in mind that the Jets are going to have to score here this week in order to obtain a victory? I know they might not be talking about it in the locker room and I don't know how it works. Maybe you guys can give us maybe you can give us some insight because you've been in the locker room. Do you go in there saying, "Hey, we need this kind of number this week to win."
1: Well, I think offensively you got to go in saying we got to score 28 points. Uh, obviously defensively, I think you go in saying when they're in scoring territory, they've got to kick field goals. And it's a touchdown versus field goal thing. And so, you know, from an overall perspective, obviously, as a defense, you're not going in going, well, we'll hold the 27 and, and we win. No, you don't You don't think of it that way. You think of, hey, we're going in with a game plan. We're going to get after this guy. We've had a recipe for success in getting after this guy. We've got to make some plays. We've got to create some turnovers. We've got to wreak havoc. Uh, but when they do get in this scoring territory, we must uh, force them to kick field goals. As an offense, the Jets have to say we must score touchdowns. We can't be one for five in the red zone like we were against the Dolphins. We can't, uh, you know, be bad on third down, all those different things. We've got to be efficient, and we have to score points. And those things can be done. That, that's as simple as it is. I mean, let me remind you, it was 13-10 to 10 in the fourth quarter against the 49ers. That's right. And what's the 49ers record? One and nine. Okay, so let's don't act like, well, this is such a juggernaut and a machine that it can't be stopped and and the Jets have no chance. Now, statistics and and all of that will tell you that the Jets' chances of winning are obviously less than the Patriots' chance of beating them. I I get that. But at the same time, from a player's mindset, uh, you're looking at it and you see it is what it is. They're making plays. Other teams aren't making plays. But when teams do make plays, they got a chance to lose the game. The Patriots do.
0: Now we they're, s- they're
1: not Superman.
0: Yeah, we say it uh, every week about the Jets' defensive front, that they got to win their battles, uh, that the defensive line obviously, uh, are, are entering a ball game, Chad, where they have matchup advantages. But if you're Todd Bowles and Casey Rogers this week and you're facing a Tom Brady who just got Deion Lewis back, who has a Lagaret Blunt in the in the backfield? Who we don't now know at the time of taping here whether Rob Gronkowski and Chris Hogan will play this week, but it's possible both could play, or maybe both could be down. I'm not sure at the time of taping here. But even with that, they got plenty. Even without those two, they got plenty of weapons. Martellus Bennett has been a tremendous addition to that ball club, not only from a re- receiving perspective, but what he brings to the table as a blocker. Then you have Julian Edelman. That's Brady's number one target, Danny Amendola. Um, so th- there are a number of guys out there. A, guy, a rookie receiver by the name of Malcolm Mitchell, Chad. guy i never heard of before. He showed up on the radar last week against the A4 San Francisco 49ers. So if you're Bulls, Casey Rogers, are there specific guys that you want to take away?
1: Well, first and foremost, the the, the recipe for success against the Patriots has always been to make Tom Brady uncomfortable. Um, The more comfortable he is, you have no shot. And that was always the recipe with the Giants, being able to generate a pass rush with four, uh, make him uncomfortable, don't allow him just to work his footwork and stay in that one spot. Um, You know, and then from a weapon standpoint, I mean, it's obvious you – if Gronkowski plays, you've got to you know, focus on him. Um, uh, a guy like Julian Edelman, you've got to you know, make sure. They're very specific. The one thing the Patriots do very well is they take advantage of the specific talents of each player, and they don't necessarily ask a player to do something he's uh, not capable of doing. Uh, Malcolm Mitchell, uh, people forget that was a heck of a college football receiver from the University of Georgia. And just because he's a rookie and on the Patriots doesn't mean he's a, and hasn't played doesn't mean he's necessarily bound or come out of nowhere. It's just that he hasn't had his opportunity to so of how talented they are and how they're working him in. But that guy's got some talent. Um, so you know it, it's it's certainly a full team defensive effort and everyone realizing where they fit into the puzzle um, and trying to stop the Patriots and be successful
0: against them. You run more for. Down Lyman this week, or your more traditional 3-4? The Jets have showed different fronts depending uh, who they're playing, who the opponent is, very game-plan specific. We know that. Do you do, you do more 4-3 this week or more 3-4? And like you mentioned before, the recipe against Brady and what a lot of teams have been trying to do lately, of course, is rushing 4 and dropping 7 and clogging those lanes.
1: I think you have to be multiple. Uh, I don't think you can just line up um, and play one front or one coverage uh, against somebody like Brady and the Patriots. Uh, once they get a beat on what you're doing, uh, you will be exposed because there's always weaknesses in, in every front and every coverage. It's just a matter do you have the right plays, called at the right time, and can you make those adjustments to get to those weaknesses. And so um, against the Patriots, you, you have to be similar to how they approach things. They approach things that are very game plan specific. They don't want to be pigeonholed into one style of offense or one style of defense as an organization and team. And I think when you play them, you certainly want to explore your strengths and manage your weaknesses and put your players in the best positions to be possible. But you've also got to work um, in a system where you can be multiple and you're given different looks, you're giving different um, – coverages and making sure that it's not the same thing
0: all right saturday uh, ohio state michigan who you got in that one ohio state do you 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 think obviously on paper evenly matched is it because they're playing at home or is it because michigan's dealing with some quarterback problems
1: i think it has to do with the quarterback issue and it looks to me like that you know, Ohio State. Even though they've won some close games, they're playing just a little bit better as a team compared to Michigan right now. Just in that in that swing of things, where they are in the season.
0: Washington, Washington State, the Apple Cup.
1: Well, that's a tough one because uh, I expected Washington State to do better this past week, um, but going to Pullman is extremely difficult. Um, I'm going to say Washington.
0: Okay. So if Washington wins that game, they probably just need one more and they'd be in the final 4, do you think?
1: Yes, yes I do. If they're Pac-12 champs with one one loss, I think that they would be the fourth seed.
0: Okay. All right. And uh how about my uh my alma mater here, the Florida Gators who upset LSU on the road last week. They're going into Tallahassee to play Florida State.
1: Wow, this is a toss-up. Um Oh, my goodness. Um, I know, right? But uh, that was very impressive on what they did uh, in Baton Rouge, to be able to do that and face um, that adversity, especially with all the injuries that they have. Uh, Part of me says go with the Gators because they play extremely good defense. They're tough-nosed, and you've got a freshman quarterback at Florida State that has uh, had some ups and downs. Then the other part says they're banged up and trying to go into Tallahassee against an offense that's a little bit more efficient and better than LSU's offense. I'm going to go Florida State.
0: Oh, the Seminoles at home. And last college pick of this week is the Iron Bowl. Old Alabama and Auburn. Uh, Can anybody stop this runaway train that Nick Saban's got going on right now?
1: (laughs) Yes, it can be stopped. Oh. No question about that. But uh, will it be stopped is the is, is the bigger issue and I don't think
0: that it'll not not this week okay, and then a thanksgiving special here uh, who are the top three teams in the national football league as we turn to post thanksgiving football Chad because you know it uh, the grizzly veterans of this league always say don't start talking about who's good and who's separating themselves until after thanksgiving so Give me the top three teams in football as we turn the page here.
1: Um, I will say um, I will go Patriots 1, the Cowboys 2, and I'm going to say the Raiders
0: 3. Wow. Wow. Seattle not in Chad Pennington's top three, and he's got the Raiders in the top three. That's something else. Yeah. <laughs> They're definitely making uh, their voices heard here. But so there could
1: be a three A three B. Oh,
0: okay, okay.
1: Well, if you want, you know, we'll watch that. Raiders, and I know, you know,
0: I know how you feel about that uh, ground attack. And every quarterback loves an offensive line and a great running back. And Dallas got something going special here right now. I'd have to. Yeah, get... and and
1: I, I just I look at the when I put the Patriots ahead of the Cowboys, the reason I do is if if they played head to head, okay. I just think it would it, that the Patriots would have the advantage. Okay. Um, but you know, certainly without them playing head to head, it'd be very easy to put the Cowboys one.
0: Yeah, I'd have to go Patriots one, Seattle two, Dallas three, and then uh, I'd, I'd put the Raiders up there at four, maybe right now. I'm not willing. I've
1: been impressed with Derek Carr. I really have. I think he's uh, you know done extremely well. I think Jack Del Rio has done a really good job of providing stability and continuity and consistency within that organization. And you can see it. And because he looks like, you know, I've always known Coach Del Rio to be a coach, especially defensively. You know, the scheme is simple, but they're really good at it and allows their athletes to really take advantage of what they're doing. And so I think that whole mindset is across the board with that team is that they are really – Creating consistency, continuity, stability, which then allows all of their extremely talented players to come to the forefront and make plays for
0: them. I know you hate this word, but Carr has some real natural arm talent. He makes some throws sometimes where it seems like he's just – Winging it, but he has a great faith in that arm, and I know he's a tremendous passer. And he is a bright kid. We talked to him down in Mobile, Alabama, senior ball a couple years ago, and that's one thing that stood out about Carr is that he was mature beyond his years.
1: Yeah, I've been impressed. I mean, he's done a really good job. Uh, nice win uh, yesterday. Had some great comeback wins throughout the season in some difficult circumstances. Um, he's really just he's wheeling and dealing. I mean, he is in his wheelhouse right now and in a really good spot as quarterback.
0: Kev Pennington's favorite Thanksgiving food.
1: Oh, favorite Thanksgiving food. Um, well, I, I'm, a, I'm looking at the total plate, and I'm envisioning my plate. And it's got turkey. It's got mashed potatoes. It's got dressing. And it's got a roll on it. And all of it has gravy on top.
0: Uh, all right. oh. Everything
1: on the plate has gravy on it. Of course. So the gravy is what makes it.
0: Of course this guy comes to the line of scrimmage, and he's got to identify not only the Mike linebacker, but he's calling out protections. you got to see everything, and that's how you even approach Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> <laughs> good catching uh, up. Good uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, Jeff. Hey, you too, Jay. Thank you.